We'll go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst. Brian, I was watching the jump yesterday. I, I saw you just came back from Paris, and I want to know what was better. Was it the French cuisine or was it the generational prospect in one Victor Wembanyama? Well, I'm not, uh, I don't like uh, fancy food, so I was there for the basketball. It was a really, really excellent learning experience. We'll be having some really good stuff around Victor uh, coming on ESPN. We got so much stuff over the course of a week that we'll be uh, dropping out stuff for, for months here, uh, leading up to the lottery and the draft. Um, but obviously, I mean, at the game I was at, there was at least eight or nine NBA teams represented. There were three uh general managers at the game um just you know a monday night game in the french league um because there's so much interest in him and so many people want to learn about him he's a very unique prospect i don't know if he's um you know he, you know i don't know if i would say you can't miss i think you know there's always still some uncertainty but his size his skill development and his mental makeup are all extraordinarily impressive. Well, I mean, Brian, you covered LeBron James for, I mean, damn near his entire basketball life, and you've covered the NBA for a long time. When it comes to the hype and the difference they can make for a franchise, how does Wimby compare to a LeBron as a prospect? Well, he's so much more ahead of him in terms of of development. What I mean by that is, like, when LeBron came into the NBA, he didn't have a you know a full time physical therapist who was doing stretching and you know strengthening exercises on him you know a couple hours a day because he was in high school you know he didn't have a finely tuned jump shot like Wembenyama does but you know he had to learn if you go back and look at the footage he he leaned on his shot his his arc was all off it took him a couple of years really five four or five years to learn how to shoot at a competent level in the NBA. Wembenyama's uh, jumper is absolutely textbook perfect. He's being coached by, you know, the Greg Popovich of France, the, the French national team coach, Vincent Collette, who's five-time French national coach of the year. You couldn't pick a better coach in France to, to, to skill him. So LeBron had an NBA body. He walked in and really... His first year, there was only one player who physically intimidated him. That was Ron Artest. But pretty much LeBron walked in and was able to physically compete. That's where Wembenyama doesn't have the same advantage. But from a develop, and it's not because Le- LeBron needed, wanted for anything. He was in high school. Wembenyama is a professional. And so, um, you know, he is, it's not even really comparable. And it's 20 years later, it shouldn't be. But it's not even comparable the development aspect of where Victor is now versus where LeBron was at the same age. Brian, West Bryant here, and talking about our Charlotte Hornets and mainly our star LaMelo Ball, what is the league players' perception of LaMelo Ball? Is he seen as a leader, a guy who can lead a team to a championship in the right situation? Yeah, the, the view of him is very, very high. People like his makeup. They like the way he plays. I think Players want to play with him. I think there is an attraction there. Um, obviously, this season has been totally wrecked by those two, you know, ridiculous ankle injuries. Um, but uh, there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of respect for Lamelo Ball in the NBA, no doubt. And Brian, there's a lot of talk, a lot of fear here in Charlotte, a lot of talk amongst people on the outside that one day 
he could leave or will leave, what are the chances he will pull a historic move and turn down the rookie extension and leave Charlotte? Well, no one's ever done it. Um, no one's ever done it. Uh, I, I think it's highly unlikely that he would turn that down. But I think the problem if you're the Hornets is you have not put players around him. You know, they have had multiple first-round picks uh, in the last couple of years. And, you know, Jalen Duran is showing some signs, you know, but the other picks just haven't, you know, they just, you know, you know, and I know that none of them have been super high picks, but, you know, the Hornets have kind of followed the playbook to try to build around him and gone out in the, in the on-draft night and gone and traded for extra picks. And, you know, the Nick Richards move was a nice move, but he's a backup. Um, you know, they just, they haven't hit. They've had four first round draft picks the last two years and they're not, there's not, a, there's, there's nobody there. He says, okay, that's my running mate. And, you know, um, I think they thought that Gordon, you know, they couldn't have predicted Gordon Hayward was going to have these injury problems. Um, I, I was skeptical about that signing at the time, but I mean, I understood why the Hornets were doing it and it's just, it's been terrible. And the guy that he thought that he had maybe with him, Miles Bridges, that's been um, a, a, a very disappointing development in what's happened there. So if you're LaMelo, I certainly think you're like, well, where, where is my help? Where is the building here? And, you know, that is a concern. And, you know, we have seen players in his position, you know, you know there has been the top five picks in the past who've tried to move out of a spot. Um, the classic example of that is uh, Chris F. Porzingis, who was taken fourth and requested a trade for the Knicks and got the trade. Um, but typically, you get that first uh, max contract. I have branded it the fun max. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, it, it, first off, it's a, it's a lesser amount of money than than guys who are in their mid twenties in the back of the year, at the back of their careers. It is usually the player signs it. Usually the player is in a good spot. Um, I don't think the Hornets can operate their lives worried about that, but they should operate their lives worried about not having executed, bringing in players around LaMelo to, to build because they, they got the number two pick because they were a bad team. And here they are three years later, and they're still a bad team. It's ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Brian, you mentioned Miles Bridges. He was arrested for felony domestic violence right before free agency. Now, eventually he would plead no contest, but he still isn't playing in the NBA. We've seen conflicting reports about negotiations between the Hornets and Clutch. The Hornets have actually said they were not in negotiations with the Charlotte Hornets, but it was in a weird way. They brought that like in an op-ed comment section almost where it was just very briefly put out there. What do you know about the negotiations between Charlotte or any franchise and Miles Bridges? My feel is that there will not be uh, clarity until the NBA's investigation is complete and they have decided on a direction. That's my feel, and it is not complete as far as I know. Um, I'm a little bit – I don't quite understand the strategy, um, why Miles didn't sign the qualifying offer that he could have, because um, the Hornets elected not to pull the qualifying offer. Um, They could have. They elected not to pull it, and then it became – um, that they couldn't pull it. And had he signed that qualifying offer, um, number one, he'd be getting paid um, because, you know, he wouldn't, he's not technically suspended yet. The NBA hasn't um, dropped, um, you know, hasn't, you know, put down a suspension. Number two, he would be under contract on the roster. The, the, the difficulty I'm sure that the Hornets have from a public relations standpoint is entering into a contract with a, 
with a player who's been accused of this. And, you know, the, the, the pleading is compl- complicated. I don't fully understand it. I don't have a law degree. Um, but had he signed that qualifying offer, that was actually in his hands, not in the Hornets' hands. And then he would have been on the roster, and it would have been a bit of a cleaner understanding of where to, where to go. So the fact that he didn't sign that and basically remains as a free agent, I think complicates matters. But ultimately, I don't think you're going to see movement until – the Hornets or any other team knows what sort of uh, punishment is coming from the league and what the league's ruling on the situation is. And um, I don't, I just don't know how that's going to play out. Well, yeah. And and not to belabor this point, but you know, given whatever suspension might come down or disciplinary action, do you have any feel on whether it would be the Hornets only or, or how much competition do you expect for someone that before this arrest, I mean, Brian, it looked like maybe at the very least a conservative number to attach to him contractually was going to be like 25 million per year. That's a conservative number, it seemed like. No, I think the Hornets were prepared to give him a massive contract. I mean, I don't know if they were prepared to give him the max contract, but especially the way he played last season, I mean, you would want to invest in a player like that. Um, and uh, especially the way he played alongside LaMelo, um, for sure. You know, And so, look, I, don't, I only have surface-level understanding of right. what happened. So the, the Hornets and, and Clutch and the league are going to come up with that. But, um, you know, for as of right now, teams, you know, even if he was deemed as a, a candidate to be signed by another team, there's no teams that really have salary cap space right now. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, the, the Indiana Pacers, for example, uh, you know, could make an offer or something, but it doesn't make sense for them. So, it, you know, he's if he comes back this season, you know, it's almost certainly going to be with the Hornets. If he goes into next summer, then it becomes interesting. But, um Again, he is obviously on, in a situation where it is a very challenging thing for him, and it is emblematic of how this season has been a wrecking ball to the Hornets because they have been hit on a number of fronts. And, you know, you don't, you know, Miles was, is, was restricted free agent. I'm sure the Hornets never planned in a million years not to have him, uh, at least for this season going forward. And so, you don't have him, and then you have the the injuries, and you know it's 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 been impossible for them to compete at any meaningful level. And um, you know, if you're a fan, you look and see, boy, there looks like there's four or five guys in this draft who could really be helpful. And so that's the NBA. You are you are um, protected by getting a high draft pick. And quite frankly, that's probably the best case scenario for the Hornets is that they get in the best position for a draft pick and try to um, recover from this season in that way. Brian, we talked about the draft picks and putting players around Melo and things of that nature. And one question I've always had, we know Michael Jordan and his popularity, the shoes and the way he's looked at by players, but how do players view Michael Jordan overall? Why don't more players want to come here and play for him? And has LaMelo made them more attractive in any way? Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't been a destination, which is unusual because Charlotte is a growing city. Uh, you know, it, it, Charlotte gets the reputation in the NBA as being a small market because it operates that way because Jordan's spending is on the bottom end. Um, but it's not a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very vibrant city. Um, I visit Charlotte regularly. I am very aware of the, of the, of the situation in Charlotte. 
and I would think it would be very attractive to players. So it is surprise. I mean, they're never going to, you know, they go head-to-head on a player with, uh, the Lakers, they're probably not going to get that player. You're not going to be the Lakers, but you would think that there would be more of a of an attraction there now. And and they have shown willingness to spend money in free agency, as the Hayward signing showed. Now, the one thing I will say about the Hornets that there are two teams in the NBA who have never paid the luxury tax in the history of their of their team, and that is uh, the Hornets and um, the Pelicans, which are related, as you can mm-hmm. figure out. And um, it's actually going to be a, a, a very interesting thing to see whether, you know, this is probably the best team the Pelicans have ever put together, and they're going to get more expensive as some of their players come up, whether they will pay the luxury tax there. And so I think if you have a question, if you're a star player considering Charlotte, and if you're also LaMelo, you know, like, Certainly, you know, Michael Jordan shouldn't be paying the luxury tax on a team like he's got right now. And, you know, Jordan doesn't get credit. It was a gutty call to not sign Kemba Walker to that extension coming off of his career season. They just said, we can't, we don't, we, in good faith, they couldn't sign him to it. And that was a good decision. Like, look where Kemba Walker is on the back end of that contract. That would have been a difficult spot for the Hornets to be in like so like I can't look you in the eye and say that, that you know that's, that there's been mistakes not to spend money but I will say this if you want to attract star players if you want to keep star players at some point you're going to have to put the guys around them and then pay for those guys and about nine out of every ten of the you know since the luxury taxes come in uh, about 25 years ago I think about 90% of the of the teams that have made the, have won the title have been taxpayers, and most of the teams who have made the um, who have made the uh, finals have been taxpayers. Now, by the way, the, the, just last year, the Celtics were not taxpayers, so it's not like an absolute guarantee. But it's one of the things that you're going to want to know if you're investing yourself in the team going forward is if the spending is going to be there. And maybe it will be. Maybe Jordan hasn't done it because he hasn't felt he's had a team to do it yet. But that is, if you want the honest assessment, that is something that people are going to ask. Well, no, the MJ discourse around here has been fascinating during his entire ownership of the team. Now, one thing I've always wanted clarity on, really ever since uh, September, Brian, Bill Simmons of The Ringer and, of course, the Bill Simmons podcast, which you've appeared on, he said something really interesting as it pertains to Charlotte in September, but said it in passing and just left us wondering what the hell was going on. Bill was talking about the sale of the Phoenix Suns and then amidst his point said, quote, you have Charlotte that's going to become available. And then that was kind of it. We didn't get anything else after that. Brian, we were all down here wondering what to do with that soundbite. Do you have any idea about Michael Jordan looking to sell the franchise? What, what is the, the reputation or some of the things surrounding that topic? I can't directly answer that question without risking being aggregated the same way that Bill would be. Um, so um, as far as I know, as of right now, the Hornets are not for sale. Gotcha. All right. Wes, you had one other one. Yeah, Brian, I wanted to know, like, what is the blueprint for the Hornets to become that contender one day? Is it the Memphis Grizzlies mode where you hopefully get a star like uh, Ja Morant and then keep drafting well and putting the the requisite pieces around him like Bain, et cetera? Exactly. I mean, uh, and I think at some point you're going to see the Grizzlies make some sort of move either through trade or through free agency, although they got burned trying to do that before with Chandler Parsons. But, you know, if you look at the picks that the, that the Grizzlies have made uh, in and around John Morant as the number two pick, I mean, they have hit on pick after pick 
after pick. They have hit on the 30th pick. They have hit on the fourth pick. They have hit um, trying to think where Brandon Clark was picked, like 21st. And like the, the Hornets, they traded in, like they traded into the draft to get Desmond Bay. And they traded into the draft to get Brandon Clark. Um, uh, they have repeated. I mean, they. Tra- I believe that they traded. They made a maneuver uh, to get Zaire Williams, who's a, a nice piece for them. And the Hornets have done the same thing. The Hornets have tried to do it. They've traded into the draft. I think they've traded for three. I mean, I can't. I can't say off the top of my head, but I think they've they've traded for first extra first round pitch picks each of the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. And then they traded in and got Richards a couple years ago. Like they've followed that path. They just haven't hit on the picks. It's and br- you know. That's a problem. Yeah, we appreciate the time. That's Brian Windhorst here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Brian, I promise we will not aggregate you. We will put up the interview <laughs> on the website, but we will not aggregate anything that you said today. We do appreciate the time. Thanks, That's fantastic Thanks. Take stuff. Take care, guys.